So Battle of the Sexes this week was pretty much all about the women. And yes, maybe I might have been anti-women a little bit or pro-women a little bit, but it was very, very much about the women. But this time, this time, I'm going to try and make it about the dudes. And I'm not going to be bashing them. So if you think that's what I'm going to do, then sorry. But I will be trying to explain stuff that dudes go through in a very dude-like way. So kind of more or less how the podcast is. But before I get into that, I want to address something that affects both genders, at least in one part of the world. Now, Indonesia has banned sex outside of marriage and banned unmarried couples from living together. Those caught and convicted could face up to a year in jail. Now, to think about it for a little bit, it's a little bit of a tricky situation, not just on like the implementation side of it, but when you actually think about what it is that they're trying to do, because in as much as they're trying to prevent sex outside of marriage, it's like they're literally just switching players because you kind of think about it. You are having sex with your girlfriend and then you get caught, you get thrown into prison. Then you end up having sex with your boyfriend or your bunkmate or some shit. Like at the end of it, you're pretty much putting people in more or less the same exact position, just them not being put in the same exact positions that they'd want to be in. Get what I'm saying? Because you kind of think about it. If I'm busy having a thing with my girlfriend and then I get taken and thrown into a men's prison, I might end up, you know, being in the wrong position for another dude, you know, such as being bent over, something I'm not particularly open to. And that's also unwanted sex, or should I say uh, unmarried sex, which also doesn't really help the case at all. Not unless if they're throwing these guys into prisons or into jail cells, which pretty much have one person per occupancy, not bunk beds like most other typical prisons kind of have. And at least in my case, it's unwanted. Now think about people who are part of the LGBT. You know, a gay guy is taken from being shagged by his dude, that's his boyfriend, he's being taken to jail and he's being shagged by a different dude. Like, it's even worse for him because in some cases he might actually like it. Although... Let me just try and read the story from the BBC News. So Indonesia's parliament has approved. Actually, wait, no, I'm using the BBC. So proper English. Indonesia's parliament has approved a new criminal code that bans anyone in the country from having sex outside marriage, including foreigners. Under the new laws, unmarried couples can be jailed for up to a year for having sex. They are also banned from living together and people could be jailed for up to six months for breaking this law. The new laws won't come into effect for another three years and it's expected that there will be core challenges. Rights groups say that this disproportionately affects women, LGBT people and ethnic minorities in the country. End of story. Now, let me just think about this for a second. The way these guys are saying that this disproportionately affects women, I don't get how that works. Not unless if you're talking about the LGBT, more so lesbians, you know. One lesbian out in the real world, one lesbian in prison, you know. Although I feel like the bigger argument that hasn't been had yet is how exactly these guys are supposed to bring this up for appeal. Because imagine you going to try and appeal and you're one of those kids that's been raised in a proper religious home and you're like, oh, you know, people should be allowed to have sex with whom they want, when they want, in the comfort of a home where they feel like they can be comfortable together. And then your parents just look at you while they're sitting and they're like, did we raise this one right? Like, imagine trying to justify premarital sex, especially to a bunch of lawmakers that are old. Like, this feels like an uphill battle in and of itself. So honestly, whoever it is that's going to bring this up within the coming three years, 
good for you. Either way, I know if I'm in that country, I might end up being convicted for talking about it because I can be a little bit loud and some of the stuff that I say can make a woman make some pleasurable noises, you know, kind of like me saying, Welcome to Break Time on West Side, your number one Break Time podcast, coming to you from Nairobi, Kenya. The man on the mic is a man who clearly does not understand how someone's going to appeal this case. Like, good luck to you. I, I cannot think of any good defense in this. He's a man whose sickness for the thickness prevents him from skinny dipping. It is none other than your tall, dark, and mildly handsome man, Sir Denverby. The show is Tweet Street, the show where we take a deep dive into Twitter, pull up a couple of tweets, and break them down a little bit. Now, as usual, if you know the drill, then you can repeat it after me. If you don't know the drill, it's okay. And if you feel like you know the drill, then it's fine because I'm going to repeat it for you. Is how you can contribute to the making of these episodes. Even though this is the last episode of the series, you can still send the content there. And it is a very simple drill. It sounds like a song and it goes like this. You see that tweet, you like that tweet. You want us to discuss that tweet, you send that tweet. You send it to the DMs of at Bagaka, the D, which happens to be my personal Twitter handle. And I will take it from there and I will handle it. On Facebook, on IG, you can send it to the DMs of at Breaktime on my side. The DMs are always open there as well. If it happens to be a screenshot or a screen grab that was taken from Twitter and ended up on any one of those two platforms. Now, a massive thank you to each and every one of you that's been a part of this podcast, that's been a part of the listening experience of this podcast over this entire season. Don't worry, Raw Zone continues, which is a much shortened version, allows me to sort of take a break, you know, enjoy the festivities and all, and I will be back in January. January the 6th is the date to mark if you are looking forward to the next episode of Tweet Street. But all that said and done, we do have a bunch of tweets that we probably should get into. But before we do that, we need to go to Rwanda for a little bit. Now, around mid-November, there was a story that came up from Rwanda which actually baffled quite a number of Kenyans, more so Kenyan women. Now, it was a story on the recent statistic done by Rwanda's Minister of Gender and Family Promotion where it was said that 65% of Rwandese women are okay with being beaten by their men. Now, this ended up dominating a bunch of headlines online and, you know, people were busy coming out or like, uh, you know, I'm glad I'm Kenyan. Uh, you know, uh, how is it that such beautiful women are allowing themselves to get whooped, blah, blah, blah. And the thing is, I feel like people ended up reacting just out of emotion the moment they saw that as opposed to actually looking into the entire thing. Now, I got the story not from IG but from the news article and let me just read it for you. Rwanda's Minister of Gender and Family Promotion, Jeanette Baisenge, has revealed that the fight against gender-based violence in the country is far from being tamed. While responding to questions about family conflicts and problems affecting society before parliament on Tuesday, Baisenge attributed her sentiments to the Demographic and Health Survey of 2020 on women's and men's attitudes towards wife-beating. The survey shows that 65% of surveyed women said wife-beating was justified under certain circumstances. About 18% said a wife should be beaten when she has not cooked well, and 31% of the women said the wife can be beaten if she has an argument with her husband. Meanwhile, 2% of the surveyed men agreed a wife should be beaten when she has not cooked well, while 6% said a wife should be beaten if she argues with her husband. Another 61% of women said that it was justifiable to beat a wife if she cheated on her husband, while 36% of men agreed. The minister raised concerns that the rate is alarming and poses a clear indication the nation has a great deal of work to do to floor the numbers. She further added that the country needs to employ more strategies to overturn the appalling mindset of citizens. End of article. 
Now, the interesting thing is people were mostly reacting to the IG posts and the stuff that was being posted up on Twitter. And most of the Kenyans, most of the Kenyan babes were busy losing it and they were like, oh, you know, for me as a Kenyan, if they tried that shit here, oh, you know, we throw hands, oh, as a Kenyan woman, blah, 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 oh, I'm glad I don't live there, oh, I'm I'm glad that I don't go through this shit, oh, how can such beautiful women accept that kind of BS? And the thing is, I feel like too many people missed the point and everyone was just reacting to the idea of 65% of Randy's women being beaten which is actually not the case. If you read the report itself, if you read the title itself properly, then you would understand that they are okay with being beaten. Not that they are being beaten. If you actually look at the stats with the guys, it's actually been said 2% of the surveyed men agreed a wife should be beaten when she has not cooked well. 6% said a wife should be beaten if she argues with her husband. You look at the infidelity ones where 61% of women said that it was justifiable to beat a wife if she cheated. It was actually 36% of men that agreed with that. Now, the thing is, I feel like too many people were so engrossed to the whole idea of 65% of Rwandese women are okay with being beaten, not if they actually are being beaten. Like, people are thinking about the potential and they're thinking, oh my goodness, it's so bad, as opposed to whether it's actually happening. To be completely honest, I don't know if they are being beaten per se, but the fact that a massive majority of them are okay with it does spell a couple of things because, you know, they can clearly see that under certain circumstances it makes sense as a punishment. Now, by all means, it doesn't mean that it's justifiably true by most cultures and by most people and that's perfectly okay, but it's something they're okay with. Now, you look at the men, a lot of them are clearly not of the idea that they should actually be beating their wives. And I guess that's a pretty good sign. The problem is, no one's ready to bring that out in an entire story. Even the IG post where I originally saw this story did not bring out the part where there's a very, very tiny percentage of men, a very marginal percentage of men, that were like, you know what, it's okay and she should be beaten if she hasn't cooked well or if she argues with her husband or if she cheats. It's not even more than a third of the people that were surveyed. So to think about it, like I feel like people were just getting scared and losing their shits for absolutely no reason at all because at the end of the day, it's just them saying that they're okay with it, not that it's actually going to happen. It's like you having a car that can do 0 to 100 in 2.5 seconds. Does it mean that you'll be doing that every single time? No. Does it mean that you will even be comfortable doing that every single time? No. Maybe you just wanted the car because it looked beautiful. Hell, maybe you wanted the car because you just liked how it rode. Not about how hard it would accelerate if you put your foot down and you let go of the brake from the line. And at the end of the day, it sort of just shows you how a lot of people like to focus on the negative side of things without actually looking at the true story itself. In as much as it said yes, 65% of Rwandese women are okay with being beaten by their men, it has said nothing to whether they are actually being beaten by their men. Maybe it just comes from a cultural upbringing whereby the culture was very permissive and perfectly okay with a man beating his woman under certain circumstances. But either way, it's not unlike women to jump to conclusions after seeing some shit, so I'm gonna leave it at that because I have tweets to handle and I will move it on. So on to our very first tweet of this episode. Handsome privilege is indeed a thing. And if you haven't experienced it, well, women cook, clean, buy gifts, make reservations, etc. for men they find attractive. 
if you haven't experienced it it's because you're lacking in the gene pool beloved and honestly as sad as it is even the broke ones still benefit from it you know how many fine broke ass men be having their way with women it's really unfortunate okay so the way she sort of put it it's not untrue it's actually a very true thing it's actually a real phenomenon that happens and yes guys have benefited because of some level of handsome privilege it's just that in as much as i'd really like to get into all of this i feel like the first thing i need to start by saying is that it's just pretty privilege but for guys like the way she's saying handsome privilege like it's something that's absolutely new or an unknown phenomenon it's actually not like i've spoken about pretty privilege and i've spoken about how it doesn't just favor women it favors men as well it's statistically proven it's like the most discriminating factor even before race because more attractive people can actually move up the corporate ladder they can get more shit that they want as opposed to less conventionally attractive ones like i don't see why it seems like it's such a new thing to this person but yes all in all yes handsome privilege or pretty privilege whatever it is you want to call it does exist and it does afford guys quite a number of benefits there are some guys who are bums but they've been kept by babes who are hardworking and make good money simply because they deliver good pipe and they look incredibly good there's guys that have managed to get promoted because the the person that's above them whether male or female straight or gay finds favor with them because they've noticed them more because they are just more attractive than their relative peers in that particular department like it's something that isn't even a case of you being particularly attracted to the person it's just a case of those people just being genuinely attractive like it's something that actually does sort of happen quite a bit and it's something that doesn't just affect relationships although in the relationships front it's disproportionately bigger because when you look at a guy that is incredibly good looking when it comes to approaching women not only is his chances of getting a babe a lot more but babes are naturally just drawn towards him because on one end the guy looks like he has good genetics because you know he's attractive so of course a babe would want to have that because from an evolutionary psychology point of view the fact that he's more attractive means that he has good genetics by design so the guy is probably taller so you know he's probably going to give tall kids and you know they'll probably be stronger not just necessarily the fact that they'll be better looking but from a physiological standpoint you know they seem to have pretty good genetics then you think about the amount of allowance that a baby is going to give a good looking guy versus a not so good looking guy and you start to see where those differences even grow a lot more because when you look at say me approaching a random babe versus a guy who's say 56 approaching the same woman now for me because i'm around 6 foot 2 6 foot 3 my chances actually increase a little bit more actually quite a hell of a bit more if this babe is even around 56 because when a guy approaches her he's automatically going to be looked at as short now on top of that i'm allowed to actually you know transcend the whole bubble that every single person has because more people want an attractive person close to them so i can afford to be a lot touchy i can afford to say things that some people might find a little bit offensive if you're just flirting for the first time so i can be a little bit more sexual and it'll fly as opposed to some other guys they can try the same tactics and it won't really work with them because they don't classify as attractive to a degree so this whole handsome privilege thing it's it's not rocket science it's 
actually something that us guys have known about for a very long time. We just either called it pretty privilege or we just knew that there was a guy that could pull way more babes than the rest of us. So that said and done, I will leave it at that and move it on. So on to our very next tweet of this episode. So men actually masturbate before sex just to last longer. Okay, so considering that this babe doesn't know this or she's just finding this out, it would mean that, you know, y'all actually do think that most guys that actually last long can last long because they're actually capable of doing that. There's quite a number of guys that will go, you know, beat their meat a quick few seconds or a quick few minutes or even just maybe an hour or two before they go meet with a babe because they just don't want to be judged harshly. Because most guys are judged based on their first nut, not based off of how long they last in bed beyond that. Because the thing is, one of the biggest problems for guys when it comes to sex is how long they last. Because us guys are judged on that shit, on top of the other thing that we're judged on, which is the length of our dicks. Now, of course, we want to go in and want to perform well and want to do a good job. But sometimes us guys haven't had pussy in a long time. Or sometimes us guys just let it go too quickly. Probably we have the feels for the bay. Probably we were incredibly aroused beforehand. And we pretty much put it in and, you know, job was done right after it started. There's guys that have nutted in like under 10 strokes. And there's others who've even nutted in under 10 seconds. The truth is that first nut isn't supposed to mean all that much, you know. Because when it comes to sex, the fact that we can nut quickly actually speaks to how good you are or how aroused we are. The real talk of whether we can last long is the other rounds that we take after it. More so the second and the third round if someone can go to the third round. Because you find that a lot more guys will last a hell of a lot longer in that second or third round. Which can come down to things like post nut clarity or whether we were genuinely interested or you know just basic shit like how aroused we are because our level of arousal will determine how long we will take to nut as guys simple so all in all yes a lot of guys will masturbate before they have sex and most times we try to keep that shit hidden just so that you don't start judging us for that shit as well but for what it's worth it's for your sake not just mine like i'd have been happy with my first nut and that's it but we want to give you pleasure as well so you might as well get that first nut out of the way and then we can give you that second and that third while you enjoy your first few. So all that said and done, I will leave it at that and I will move it on to our, is it the last one? I don't know. Depends on how much space we have after that. Next tweet of this episode. If you want to be considered as a wife, wouldn't it make logical sense to lead off with your wife qualities instead of your education and degrees? Hashtag future wives club. The interesting thing is when I was busy getting this post on IG, there was another post that was right next to it, which was, and I quote, why are women finding it more and more difficult nowadays to find a man that will marry them? Like it feels like an answer to this question that's out here because you kind of think about it. It would actually make a lot more sense if you led off with your wife qualities instead of trying to prove that you're a bad bitch to me. Like, that makes sense. Or when you try to show me your work experience and degrees. Like, babes usually talk about this thing of, oh, you know, it's a date, not a CV. So I don't see why you need to ask, blah, blah, blah. But you guys end up talking about the stuff that you do and who you are as a person. And most of that shit is stuff that would fit in a CV. 
so maybe if a lot of the babes led off with a more wifey type qualities then probably that would work like you know her ability to cook and clean and shit more so cooking because you know food is important and everything although that does kind of track back to that original question that i'd brought up and i actually did kind of think about this question a little bit and on one end there's guys that are just genuinely afraid of marriage but in the large chunk of men that are open to the idea of marriage or some form of a long-term partnership i feel like the problems are more or less the same on both ends because i really tried thinking about what the issue is and i brought it down to its simplest form in two things and that is options and shit and yes i know it sounds very weird but let me try and explain so we have a group of women that feel like there's too many options in guys and it's even made to us by the fact that you can literally swipe left or right to choose which guy you want on tinder or bumble or hinge and that kind of makes it hard for people to choose one and settle down because you like the qualities of one but you've been with another guy that has certain qualities that you like and i don't want to bring in the whole them banging multiple dudes before they get married but it is something to be considered so at the end of the day you have all of these options but you're not really centering on one because there's so many qualities that one guy has that you like but another guy also has that you also like so that whole paradox of choice kind of becomes a bit of an issue for quite a number of women then when you look at it mostly even from the guy's side it's the whole idea that there's less in terms of options so there's not that many great guys out there and something that i've heard a lot of women saying is all the great guys are either taken or gay and that's been a very interesting thought process and you know you can blame it on the fact that she has shit choosing choices or maybe she's the problem but that's something that a lot of babes believe that there's very very little options in the name of actual great guys to be with and sometimes they might end up all running for the same kinds of dudes although that's irrelevant to this case but when you look at it from the guy side as well guys also think that there's way less options in the name of babes because now they're like oh you know babes out here nowadays are hoes blah 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 they're not loyal or oh, they'll take half your shit which reinforces the whole fear of marriage and thus we have two genders that pretty much should be together that is pretty much looking at each other saying you know what there's not enough good in you that i'd actually want to commit to then you look at the shit part you know both genders have a problem with the other gender's shit and it's sort of packaged in different ways for different genders so with babes they're like oh you know we've taken so much shit from guys over the years oh you know my mom took so much shit from my dad or my aunt took so much shit from my uncle or i've watched my grandmother go through shit and i don't want to go through that because of a man and as a result they end up pushing a bunch of guys away because you know they see one ounce of something they don't like and they're automatically out then you look on the guy's side and guys aren't more so talking about the kind of shit they're taking for them they're like you know what these babes aren't worth the shit that they speak so much about because you know you're getting a babe and you realize she can't cook or she's not submissive enough or she doesn't respect you or she's all about being a bad bitch or she only wants a soft life and she doesn't want to provide any input and they're like you know what this babe no matter how fine she is no matter how sweet she sounds she's not worth her shit so i don't want her and at the end of the day you know there's a zero compromise level on both ends and because no one's willing to compromise because no one's willing to you know move in a different manner and be like you know what i'm willing to take this but i'm not willing to take that you end up with an entire generation of people that are having trouble 
actually settling down. So to answer the question that was asked earlier, it just comes down to those two things, opinions and shit. Although then again when I think about it, my opinions might be shit so I want your thoughts on it. The DMs are open. On Twitter, it is at Bagaka the D. On Facebook, on IG, it is at Breaktime on SI. Thank you so much for listening all the way till the end of this episode and of this season. And I will catch you guys on the next break. <laughs>